Welcome everyone to the Ove Torah, Daf Yomi Shior. Today's Shior is Daf Tet Zayin in Mesechet Shkalim. We will be beginning, however, at the words Kraya Meseyele of Yudah ben Lakish, towards the bottom of Tet Vav Amurbet, uh, four lines in the bottom. Now, um, we had a machloket between Rabbanan and Rabbi Huda ben Lakish. Rabbi Huda ben Lakish was saying that there were two separate Aronot. One Aron would go with the Jews, and it had one would be the one with the Torah was in it, and one had the broken Luchot. And the one with the Torah never left the Ohel Moed, and the other one would go out to the Jews to war. Rabbanan said there was only one. And one time it went, it only went to war once and it got captured by the Palestinian. Okay? That's Machloket. So we had brought Pesukim for Rabbanan. And now we're bringing Pesuk for Biblia Malakish. Okay, two lines, I'm sorry, two lines in the bottom. Kram Sayel Yudah ben Lakish. Haron v'Yisrael v'Yehuda. Yoshim b'Sukot. The Pasuk says, when David HaMelech wanted to uh, make a Beit HaMikdash, it says, how could, that David said about himself, that how could I uh, be sitting in a house. No, I'm sorry. They were fight, the Jews were fighting Benamon. They said that the Aron of Hashem was sitting in a sukkah. Now, when saying sitting in a sukkah, it's implying that it's not in Yerushalayim. Aron but we know at that point that the Aron was in. Zion was in Yushalayim. And therefore, it must be that there were two Aronot, like if you do Lakish. And not one. When we said it was in Sukkot, even though it was in Yushalayim, we meant that it was it's in a house. When it says Basukot, it doesn't mean it was actually in a in a in a battle and you put it in a sukkah. It means that it was put in a, in a house which is not its permanent house. So Sukkot is just, a, we're just using, it's a borrowed term. The word Sukkot doesn't mean actual Sukkah, because if so, it would be like Rudab and Lakish. It's talking about a non-permanent house, and that's what we're referring to. Now, says the Gemara, Mishinignaz Ha'aron, when they put away the Aron, like we spoke about last time, Nignaz Amo, they put away with it Tzinsenet Haman, the flask of man, because there was a flask full of man that Hashem had told Moshe to put away to show future generations, and that had been stored from the desert time all the way through the time of when the when the Beit Hamikdash was built. So for hundreds and hundreds of years, how long is it? More than three hundred years. I would say it's probably um, it's probably being stored seven hundred years. 700-year-old man, okay? 
But after a while, they put it away with the Aron. They also had a vessel with, shit, with, with anointing oil that Moshe Rabbeinu had made, which also got put away. And the stick of Aharon, and its flowers and its almonds, because we know that Aharon, one time, there was people who, was, who were mironening, who were uh, complaining about Aharon being the Kohen Gadol, and Hashem made a miracle that they all put their sticks in the, in the oil moed, and everyone else's sticks, everyone recognized the sticks and took them back. And when they, Aaron came to take back his stick, his stick had been, had grew flowers and almonds on them. So the stick was put away with the Aaron, and that stick was still there, was, was hidden. And after the Pedishtim once captured the Aaron in battle, in the terrible time of Eli, Hashem caused them to have stomach ailments, and they sent back a um, they sent back a kapara, and with the kapara was these golden hemorrhoids that they would send back with them, and that was also put away. Miginzo, who put it away? Yoshiao, King Yoshiao, who was a who was a tzaddik king, even though his father was a big rasha, he was a tzaddik. Ganzo. He put it away. Since he saw in the Torah, it says, that Hashem is going to take you and your king that you put up upon you to a nation that you never heard, you and your fathers. He got up and he says, I want to put it away. I don't want it to be captured. Ben David Melech Yisrael and Lachem Masah Baketef. He told him, put the Aaron in the house that Shlomo, the son of David, built. You have nothing to carry on your shoulders. Now, why did he have to tell him to put it in the Beit Mikdash? Of course, it was it wasn't the Beit Mikdash. Must be he told them to hide it. Okay, and that's why he says, don't. When he says, don't carry anything on your shoulders, he says he's saying. You'll never be able to bring it back. Meaning, if you're going to carry it with you when you go to Galut, you'll never be able to bring it back. There's going to be Galut in the next 30, 40 years. Something's going to become Galut. I don't want the Aaron to go with you. Hide it. Do the other, do the other Avodahs, but you're not going to have an Aaron anymore. That's a very, very big thing. You imagine there's better that she's still built. And you have to, it takes a lot of uh, foresight to be able to put away the Aron Kodesh. We're still doing the Abudah, the Kohen Gadol is still going in. And yet, there's no Aron there, the Aron is hidden because of the future. This is not, not told to do it. No, this not. is the king doing it. But told to who to do it? Told the Levim and to do it. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, we said, Pitam Shem and Mishcha. Oh, it should be Ivan. Welcome, Ivan. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, we are on Dav Tet Zayin Amur Alf. Okay? Um, we're at the word Petam Shem and Mishcha. The two dots on, pet, on the top of Tet Zayin Amur Alf. Okay. Pitum Shem and Mishcha. The anointing oil that Moshe Rabbeinu had goes as follows. Ve'ata kach lecha 
Besamim Rosh, the Pasuk says. Hashem told Moshe, take, you, take for yourself Besamim Rosh, more Dror Chameshmot, Kinamon Bosem Machzito, Chamesha Umatayim, Kne Bos Mishimotayim, Ukeda Chameshmot, Meshekel HaKodesh, Shen Elif Chameshmot Manim. It's 1,500 portions of spices go into the Shem Mishra. And what else do you do? Shem and Zayit Hin, uh, olive oil, one Hin. Now, a Hin is 12 log. Shebo. Now, t- each log is uh, about 12 ounces. So, 12 log is uh, about 144 ounces. Now, the way, the way you make it is these types of spices, you have to boil them first, and then you put them in the water. Okay? That's what Rameer says. No. Sorry, there's two opinions. The first one is that you, you, you boil the spices in the oil, and then this way it gets the water, gets the taste. Rabbi Yudah says that you put it in, you boil it in water. You know, ten shem again. You put the and then you put the the oil on top of the boiled spices. When it would take the smell, he would he would move it just like the perfumers do. So in other words, they, this this anointing oil didn't have any solids in it. It was just the oil. But they would they would boil it they would leave it in it till the oil gets the fragrance of the of the cinnamon and whatever other spices there were and then they take out the the spice and you just left with the oil. Hadaud that's what it says in the pasuk. Shemen mishchat kodesh oil of of mishchat rokach matkahat the work of a perfumer. The reason why it says the work of a perfumer is they're trying to tell you that you have to take out the actual solids out of the shemen mishchat. Tani, we learned. It was miraculous from beginning to end. In the beginning, all we had was 12 luk. It wouldn't be enough, even if you just wanted to... 12 luk is not enough even just to smear the oil on all the spices that had to go into it. It wouldn't be enough. Because that's not, it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff. First of all, when you boil it, some of it gets absorbed. And the spices absorb some. And the pot has to, has to absorb some. And from, the, from it, there was enough to put on the Mishkan and all its, all its utensils, the Menorah and the Aron and all the things, and the Shulchan and all the Kilim. It, all also, they used it to put it on Aron and Elazari, Tamar, Nadav, and Avihu. And they put it on them not just once. They need seven days of oil on them. And from, from it, they, they used to 
anoint all the Kohen Gadols and the kings. So says the Gemara, how would it work? What? All the king that came after. Yeah, David, much after Moshe Rabbeinu. Wow. David, Shaul, all from the same oil, from Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's why it's a miracle, because the oil, the 12, 12 luke of oil, is really only enough, not even enough for the spices. Forget about the boil, it's all, it's all a miracle. Okay? Melech betchilat ha'on meshichah. Melech ben melech ento meshichah. So the rule with kings are, is that the, the first king in the line needs, needs to be anointed with the Shem of The later kings, if you're a hereditary king, you do not need to be anointed with oil. My time, what's the reason? Because we see from Shemuel, it says, by David HaMelech, it says, Kum kizehu. It says, go get up and anoint him. When it saw David, uh, the story was David had got... Um, Shemuel had gone to Yishai's house and he had seven sons and uh, Hashem made it that uh, Shemuel was unaware of which one was going to be the king. And he, he got confused and he went to the wrong ones and Hashem said, no, not this one, not this one. Then when he saw David, he thought for sure it wasn't David and Hashem said, get up, anoint him because this is it, because he's, he's the one. Now we're pointing out when he says, Kizehu, that this is it. We're teaching you another thing. Besides the teaching you that David is the king, we're also going to teach you that he needs anointing, but his son's not going to need anointing. And from there we learn that a king who's the son of a king doesn't need anointing. From the word Zehu. But if you have a Kohen Gadol, whose father was a Kohen Gadol, even though his father was a Kohen Gadol for ten generations, they all need to be anointed with the Shem Meshachah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you might think, okay, so there's probably very, very little left of the Shem Mishra. Says the Gemara, no, it's all there. Even though it was used so many times for so many people, it didn't lose a drop, and it's all waiting for Mashiach to come to reanoint. Okay? That's why it says in the Pasuk, Shem Mishchat Kodesh Yezel Adorotechem. This will be your Shem and Meshachat Kodesh for generations because it's going to be there forever. Now, that was in the Aron, the Shem and Meshachat Kodesh. Sure. The rule is that when you anoint a new king, it can only be done at a spring. You take, when David wanted to, um, to uh, strengthen the Malchut of his son, he said, take him on my mule, and take him to Gihon, to the spring of Gihon, so you see that they brought him specifically to the Gihon spring, because it has to be at a spring. Now, really, technically, you should all be yelling and screaming. I'm surprised that Ivan isn't yelling. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. Maybe there's uh, riots over there. But I thought he'd be yelling because uh, I just told you that a king, the son of a king, welcome Shlomo, doesn't need anointing. And then I just told you just now that they took, that David said, take my son Shlomo and anoint him at the Gihon Spring. Why are they anointing him at the Gihon Spring? If his father was a king, he shouldn't, he shouldn't need anointing. Yes, Shaul 
Shaul switched to David, they need anointing. Shaul needs anointing, David needs anointing. Shalomo should need anointing. And we're talking about anointing Shalomo, and look who walks in. Okay. Welcome, Joey. So it says, well, and Ivan, am I right that you should have got that one? Yes, you're right. Okay. You should have gotten it, but maybe just, uh, you know, he just wants to strengthen. It's not like a necessary thing. Oh, says the Gemara. Thank you. The only time we ever do a hereditary king is if there's a machloket on the davar, which means normally the only the first king needs anointing. Okay, the son doesn't need anointing, but if there's a machloket or who should take over, then we anoint the next one to do it. And by Shalomo Melch, there was a big machloket which was brought down over there. Why? Why was Shalomo? Why did Shalomo get? Uh, anointed. Anyone take care of this fellow? Why did Shilomo get anointed? Okay. Because of the machlok with Adoniyahu. Yoash, also Yoash, who was the son of Achaziyahu. Yoash was a king whose uh, um, Ataliyahu was uh, his stepmother. His stepmother became the king. Yoash was a, was a king, and his stepmother was king for a while. And she was killing out all, she wanted to be the king, and she killed out all the other royal descendants besides her. Besides this, besides Yoash. So Yoash, they hid him, they hid this baby, and when he grew up, he took over to become the king again. So the reason why they anointed him was because of Atalyahu, his stepmother. And Yoachaz, who was the son of Yoshiau, the reason why I do Yoachaz is because his brother Yoachim, who was two years older than him. Since they were, they were anointing the younger brother over the older brother, so they had to give him Shem But in general, when a, when, a, when a king dies and the son takes over, it does not need... does not need Shem Says the Gemara, Lo ken ketiv. Uh, you want to know where we are? Okay. Okay, good. Right there. Doesn't it say in the Pasuk, Kum Meshcheo Kizehu? This is him. I thought, why did we give Yehu? Why did we put Yehu, even though he was the king of Yisrael? I thought we only do from the kings of David, not kings of Yisrael. Right? says, Ella. Yochiaz me Yoyakim Achiv, Sheagadol mi menu. Shteshinim, Vulo Yoshiao Ganazo. Adam Abafisimon Shahat. So we answer the question with a side question. We're asking a separate question. Now, listen to the side question we're asking. The last guy we mentioned was Yoyakim. Right? Uh, there, there was a guy, Yoyachaz and Yoyakim are two sons. Okay? And their father was Yoshiahu. Now, Yoshiao, we had mentioned before, was the one who had hidden the Aaron. And with the Aaron, he also hid all the things in the Aaron. The Luchot, the Man, and the Shem and the So let's figure out. If Yoshiao hid the Shem and the how could we say that his son, Yoyachaz, who was the younger son, when he took over for the father, got anointed because he had an older brother and he therefore he, there was some kind of machloket so he anointed him I thought his father was the one who hid the shaman who hid the 
Shemer Mishcha. So we're gonna. So if they if it's hidden, how did they use the hidden Shemer Mishcha to anoint the sons? So he had it, no. His father hid it, so he, the son knew where it was, no. Oh, that's he gonna answer. Maybe the son knew where it was. Like, why is not anything? Why is gonna assume that the, that the father didn't tell anybody, and therefore uh, no one knows where it is. So if no one knows where it is, how did they use it on the son? Says the Gemara. Didn't we finish on top just today? We finish. Finish on the top just today, no? I don't think so. I think we're right at the bottom. Well, anyway, we're, we're way past that over there. We're, we're, all, we're all the way in the, in the middle over here. I know, I know. Okay, so. Mar is saying, It must have been that they used balsam oil. Yes, after that, anyone who got anointed was balsam oil. So therefore, we're answering the first question too. You want to know about Yehu, who was a king of Yisrael and not a king of David, how come he got it? He also must have got balsam oil. So not always do they use Shem and Mishra oil. They use Shem and Mishra oil for most of the kings, but once they got to Yoshiyahu, it was hidden, and the rest of the kings and and and... And Kohanim Gudlim are using just just um, bootleg oil, uh, balsam oil, okay? Not the real, not the real stuff. Yeah, you know, generic. Generic. Okay. Just These are not drugs. Not, it's not just as good, okay? And Moshchim, sorry, Shalom. We have to we have to throw in a little pharmacy jokes here. And Moshchim Hamalachim Elamin Akedin. Okay, there's another rule about Shemun Mishcha. That we only use the Shevet Mishcha from a horn. Okay, which means you take a shofar or a, a horn of an animal, not a, not a shofar, specifically a carrot, a corn, and, and you, put, you take it out of the horn. That's where you store it. Okay, from a king. For a king, always be one. Shaul v. Yehu, because we know that Shaul and Yehu, which are two kings, they were anointed from a jug. Okay? And therefore, their kingship was transient, was passing. Just like a, a jug will fall and crack, so too the kingship of Shaul and Yehu, because they were anointed from a jug, also passed. That's why we, when we do a king, we always try to do it from a kenan. And we know when we pray, we, we say, we pray for the kenan, right? What do, we, what do we pray for the kenan of David? Uh, you want to continue the Kenan of Yeshua, the horn. Why the horn? Because, because when you do a, 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 a do, when you the kingship lasts, no, we want David's David's uh, Yeshua to last. Okay. Okay. Says and Moshin Kohanim Kimalachim. We don't do Kohanim to be Kimalachim. Which means that when, if you have a king who's not from David HaMelech, it's from uh, a, Kohan, a Kohan being a king, like the Chashmonaim, or Kohanim, who are also kings, they don't get Shem Mishcha oil on them. Now, really, the, of course, they're not getting Shem Mishcha oil, because the Shem Mishcha oil was hidden by the time they came around. It means they don't get any oil at all. Okay, they don't even get even even the generic oil. They don't get the if the if you have a kohen becoming king, which happens like by Yehuda Maccabee became the king and his his brothers became the king. When they become king, we do not give them oil because they're not from David Amelach's thing. Amar Rebbe Rebbe says Yehuda unto Daria al Shem 
Lo Yasur Shevet Miyuda. He's saying the reason why we do it is because the Pasuk says that the, the scepter shouldn't leave Yehuda. The scepter is the king's ruler. And therefore, only when the, when, when the, when the rulership is coming from Yehuda, that's when it gets uh, the, oil. the oil. Yes. Good. Another Pasuk. Telling you that the king should have a long life on his throne. Right? And the next Pasuk says, Now, the two Pasukim are talking about two different things. One Pasuk is talking about the king not having too many uh, horses or too many wives in order that he should have a long life on the throne. And the next Pasuk is talking about Kwanim and Levim don't have a chelik, don't have a portion in Kalisa. But we're putting the fact that they're both together is telling you that to have a long life and not Kwanim Levim teaches you that we don't let the Kwanim who become kings get the Shem Mishka on their, on their part. Okay. Amar Yochan. Now, once we mentioned before that Yochaz was, was king after his father Yoshiach, even though he was younger, right? Because Yochaz, now, Yochaz, don't get confused over here. There's two brothers. The younger brother is Yochaz. The older brother is Yochakim. Okay? Amar Yochanan, Yochanan says, Hu Yochanan, Hu Yochaz. That whenever you see Yochanan in the Torah, it's the same person as Yochaz. How can it be? When it talks about the sons of Yoshiach, it says, Habechor is Yochanan. Now, how could the Bechor be Yochanan if we just said that Yoyachaz had an older brother who was two years older than him? So if Yoyachaz is Yochanan, and the Pasuk says that Yochanan was the Bechor, so then it doesn't make sense. Is everyone with me or no? Yeah. Good. Says, well, no, when we said he was the Bechor, it doesn't mean he was the biological Bechor. He was the Bechor of the Malchut. He was the first one to become the king. Now, later, the other brother is going to become the king. Because Nebuchadnezzar is going to kick out this one. But he was the Bechor to the kingship. We didn't mean he was the biological Bechor. That's how the Gemara is getting out of that problem. Okay? So really, I'm right. Yochanan is Yoyachaz. Just he was the, when we said Bechor, that doesn't mean real Bechor. Okay. So you said the brother becomes the king. The brother later will become the king. But he was the Bechor to the king. The first one to become a king was the younger brother. When the Torah talks about the son of Yoshiach being Shalom, you should know that that's Sitkiyahu. That's the, 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 the youngest brother, Sitkiyahu, who was, by the way, the last king of Kaisel before the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. How can you tell me that Sitkiyahu is Shalom? It says that the third one was Sitkiyahu and the fourth one was Shalom. So it's two different people. Right? He's the third brother, and he's the fourth king. Still one person. Right. Still one person. Good. Now, why was he called Sitkiyahu? Because he accepted, the word matzdik is to accept on himself Hashem's uh, attribute of justice. Even though Hashem was being he accepted that he deserved it. As they call him, Sidkiyahu. Why they call him Shalom? Because he completed the rulership of Bet David. He was the last king of David Amelech who actually ruled over a Bet Mekdash in Yerushalayim. The last one. The fourth king. 
He's the fourth one to rule. There was Yoyachaz, Yoyakin, and Yoyachin. Okay, now that he, he's asking a good question. He can't be the fourth to the king because if there's only three kids, how does he become the fourth to the king? The answer is that there was someone called Yoyachin who was Yoyakim's son. So he ruled after his nephew. Two brothers and his nephew ruled before him. And then he finally ruled. And he was the Shalom, he was the last one. Okay? Now, so the reason why he called Shalom according to this is because he was the finishing of, of David's rulership. Rishakish says, guess what? You think his name was Shalom and Tzidkiyahu? His real name was not Shalom nor Tzidkiyahu. Those were nicknames. El Matnaya was his name. That's why it says, It says that when, when, when the king of Bavel got rid of the nephew, because he got tired of what the nephew was doing, he put in his place Matanya, his uncle. And he made his name to be Tzitkiyahu. So you see that his name is really Matanya. Okay. Amar Biokana. Oh, now we're switching topics. And now you got to pay attention. Now we're switching topics completely to the topic of the Aron that we were talking about before this and the actual size of the Aron. Before I go any further, uh, you should remember the first Pesukim in Parashat Tinuah. It says the Aron over there, it says, Ama v'chetzi rochpo, Amatayim v'chetzi orko, it's two and a half Amot. Wide. And then an Amat and a half width and height. Okay? So, when we're doing those Amot, you have to know that an Amat, there's two ways to measure an Amat. Either an Amat has five Tifachim in it, or an Amma has six Tifachim in it. Okay? Now it makes a big difference how big each thing was. Now there's a Machloket, whether the Aron was measured two and a half by, everyone knows the Pasuk says it's two and a half by one and a half by one and a half. That we know. But two and a half of what? Of how many Tifachim in each one? Is it five or six? We're going to go through six two opinions. Tifach, no? That's a Tifach, yeah. Is it five of those or six of those in each Amma of which is one and a half by two and a half by one and a half? Okay? Says the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan has his opinion. It was a sixth Tvachim Amma that was used. Which Tana is Rabbi Yochanan going like when he says it was a sixth Tvachim Amma? Rameer. He's going like Rameer. The Tanakh is learned in the Mishnah. Rameer, Rameer. They were all medium ones, which is six Tvachim. Okay, now, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Amote bin Yan Shisha, Shel Kelim Chamisha. Now, Rabbi Yehuda agrees that there is such a thing as a six Tevach Amah, but he says that only the building ones were six Tevachim, but the ones for the utensils were only five. Now, let's go through each one. Al Datad, the mayor, according to mayor, who says it was a six. Do Amar, that means. So he was made out of six. So that means that the width of the Aron was 15 tefach. Why? 
תכתיב אמתיים וחצי אורכו. It says it was two and a half אמה wide. אמתה השיטה each אמה is six. ואמתה השיטה the second אמה is six. ופרגו את one half אמה is three. Six, six and three. Fifteen. Beautiful. והבא לוחות היו בו. Now, in each אלון was four לוחות. Okay? In the Aron, sorry. In the Aron was four Luchot. Shnaim Shilimim, two whole ones, Ushnaim Shilimim, and two broken ones. Dichtiv, Asher Shibarta. It says take the broken ones and put them in the Aron. No, no, it's one. They're all one Aron. Sorry, one Aron. Okay? Did anyone ever see the Luchot Rabbi? We're assuming there's one over here. What? Did anyone ever see the Luchot that they were put in there? I didn't see them. Now, הלוחות היו כל אחד ואחד. לוחות were each one, אורכו שישה טווחים ורוחבו שלושה. Each one, each one הלוחות was six טווחים by three טווחים. תן רוחבן של לוחות לאורכו של אמה. If you put the width of the לוחות, which we said was three, opposite the length the the no no the the length of the luchot opposite the the width of the aron so the width we said was fifteen of the aron and we have four three tvachim luchot at twelve right the shteyasham shloshat tvachim that leaves three tvachim left over so twelve fifteen if you got what's going got a box of fifteen and I have four three tvachim luchot inside of it that leaves you three amo three tvachim inside what do you do it Ten mehem chazi tefel chol kotel. That you you need uh, half a tefach for each wall, right? Because right? the because the thickness of the wall was half a tefach. Because we're giving you outside measurements, so you have to you have half a tefach for the wall of each side. Nishtayar shte tefachim v'sefer Torah. That leaves two tefachim for the sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu had written in the Aron. So you got it. So we have luchot 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 three 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 three. Half a tefach for each wall, plus two tefachim for the for the sefer Torah. That's according to the one who says that it was six tefachim. Good, good. Now, rochman shel aron tishat tefachim. The width of the aron is what we said was nine tefachim. How do we know? Dechtiv amav achetzi rochbo, amav achetzi rochbo, amta ashita one amav is six. Palgutam and half one is three, so nine and three, nine and six three and is six and nine is six and three is nine. There was four luchot inside. Two of them were full, and two of them were broken. Now each one had six tefachim long, right? And three wide. Ten Put the width. The length of this to the width of that one, the shlashem shloshat tvachim that leaves you three tvachim. Chazit tefach mikan lekotel zeh, bechazit tefach mikan lekotel zeh. Half of this was b'chayim leshiut ma'akom shlosevet Torah munach. The reason why you had extra two tvachim is to grab the, be able to grab the the the. No, you have to be able to pull out the luchot, so you have to leave a little room. On one side, so on, on the on one on the fifteen side, we need every every inch, right? We're using all the inches for the, for the sefer Torah and other things. On the nine side, we're using only six because the luchot are only six, and we're assuming that the the sefer Torah was also only six. 
and we need half a half a tefach for each side. That's that's one tefach gone, and I have two tefachim to be able to stick your hand in and pull them out. So this is ten tefachim. Nine. 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 Six. Half and a half is seven, and then two nine. Well, why do you need to take them out, Rabbi? Just leave them in there. But the I don't know. To get it in there, I don't know. So, but the iron itself is ten. Casey had to take it out for something. I don't know if that was 10 and 9 for the report. No, the one is 9. He said 2 tefachim, the iron, with, right? So that's 10. No, no, it's 2 and a half. 2 and a half by 1 and a half. Amot. 2 and a half amot, which which we're coming out to be 9 and 15. Tefachim, okay? Now. Reish Lakish, that's Rabbi Yochanan. You ready now? Let's go have fun with Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish, Omer, Ba'ama bat shisha tefachim. It was only a five tochim in Aaron. My Tama, what's my Tana? Who's the Tana? Major Rabbi We read that the Tanina Tama. We learned over there in Mesechet Kedim. We read that Amata Binyan Shisha Shalakim Chavisha. The Ayin Aaron Klihu. Since the Aaron is a Kelly, so therefore it's only five tochim. Al Dateh, according to him, the Rabbi Do Amar was saying Amava Shachamisha Tochim Hayar Koshel Aaron. If the width was five tochim, Shnei Masat Tefach Umetza. It comes out that it's. Twelve and a half tefach comes out to be the size, the, the width of that one. Why? We said it's two and a half ama. Why? Amta each ama chamsha is five. The amta chamsha the second ama is five. That's ten. Upalgut ama and half ama say upalgut two and a half. That comes out to twelve and a half. Va'abat luchot aribo. What was in it? There was four luchot. Shneim shalimim. Two hold the luchot again according to both rabbis are the same size six tvachim by nine by 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 three six by three good ten rochban sheluchot la orkashem if you put the width of the luch of the luchot to sorry the length of the luchot to the width of the aron the shteisham chazi tefach it leaves you over there a half a tefach. According to him, there's only a half a tefa because because we have twelve, and it's only twelve and a half. According to that means that he's leaving only an etzba for the kotel. So according to him, the kotel wasn't half a tefa; it was only an etzba, a finger length, as opposed to half a tefa. So the the one difference between them is how thick are the walls. They're not arguing about how thick the the luchot. The luchot, everyone agrees. Oh, hold on. I can't answer that. Okay? What everyone agrees are uh, the same size. We're just talking about the, the wall situation, and when it comes to the walls, according to the 12 and a half, the wall was only half a tefach, which is two etzbas. Etzbas on this side, etzbas on that side. Now, what, what was the size of the length of the Aaron? The width of the Aaron? It was uh, seven and a half tefachim. Why? Because it's ama and a half. Amta, each amta is five. Palgut ama, half ama, trepag is two and a half. So that's seven and a half. Of course, there was four luchot. Again, we we're saying the same thing. Two whole ones, two says, Again, each luach is three by six. Good. I don't want to get that. Hold on. Hold on. Let me try it. Okay. Good. 
ten orkan the rochmo shel aron v'nishtayah sham tefach omechza leaves you tefach and a half etzva lekotem mekan veetzva lekotem mekan. So that leaves you one etzva on one side and one etzva on the other side. V'chatzit tefach mekan v'chatzit mekan the shilut again they have a half a tefach on each side to be able to bring things in and out. Okay, so according to him. It fits exactly. Now, by the way, according to this rabbi, there was no Sefer Torah in the Aron. You notice the difference, right? The other rabbi had, when you have a, according to the rabbi, says there was six Tavachim, you have room to have two Tavachim for a Sefer Torah. According to this one, there was no Sefer Torah in it. Five. He, sees, he claims five Tavachim, this rabbi? Five Tavachim rabbi, he doesn't fit, exactly. What okay? About the Shem and Mishnah, wasn't it also inside or no? Shem, was it also inside? That, we're going to see that soon. Hold on. Didn't mention it. Maybe, maybe they put it on top, I doubt it. So how did Betel make that on? According to Chananya, he says there was actually three different boxes. Two gold boxes, and one wood box. So it's a gold box, a wood box inside, and a gold box inside that. That's according to Chananya. Okay? Now, Tancha Zahab said you put the gold one in the wood one, you put the wood one in the gold one. And when the Pasuk says... There's an extra word in Pasuk that says, and you, and you uh, covered it with gold. CP, when you covered it with gold. He said, you cover it with gold inside and out. What does that teach you? Why does it say Titzapenu again that you, that you, it mentions again that you covered it with gold? That comes to teach you that even the top lip was covered with gold. So again, there's an extra word CP. According to this rabbi, it's three boxes. Box A, Box B of wood and box C of gold. And when it says the extra word CPU, it means that even the lip was covered with gold, so you couldn't see the wood at all. When you looked inside that on, if you picked up the cover and you looked inside, you wouldn't see any wood at all because CPU means they covered the lip with gold as well. That's according to this first rabbi, Rukhananya. Really, it was just one box. There was no three boxes, it was one box. Right? Vitzibi, when they covered it with gold on both, all around, according to him, what does the extra word they covered it mean? If it was one box covered, then what did they do with the extra covering? What, what did it mean, extra covering? Which means that even though it was one wooden box, the wooden box was made up, according to Rish Lakish, was made up of many uh, boards. Okay? It wasn't one solid piece. Now, the boards were attached together. Now, you might have thunk that when the boards were attached together, at the p- spot that they were attached, it, it was just wood to wood, and we covered the outside with gold. We're telling you here that each wood board was completely covered, dipped in gold, and then attached. So even in between the boards was gold. That's the extra tipino, according to Arash Lakish, yes. Now, says the Gemara, Oh, Ivan, I lost him. Ivan, did I lose you there? Yeah, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I could barely hear you. Maybe yeah. you moved your phone or something. Okay, could you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Okay, good. Now, okay. how were the Luchot written? Reb Chananya ben Gamliel Omer, Chamisha aluach zeh, v'chamisha aluach zeh. There were five of the, of the Ten Commandments on one one side, and on one, no, on one, there was two luchot, two tablets, right? Five on one tablet, and five on the other tablet, okay? 
that's what it says. It says that they wrote them on two tablets of, of stone. Now, that's the way we all see them on the uh, thing. Each thing is a tablet. Good. Rabbanan, Amri, no. The whole thing was written twice. So all ten commandments, according to Rabbanan, are written on each one of Luchot. With us? That's why it says the Pasuk. It says, you, I'm going to tell you, the, I told you, the, the, I'm going to tell you the Brit that I commanded you to do the Ten Commandments. And you write them on two Luchot Abarim. So it sounds like ten and ten. Not five and five, ten and ten. Because it's Vayichtev. And you write it. And you write them. Sounds like you write all ten on, on both. Now, that's not the way we normally understood the Luchot. Not so, that's not how it is over here. But don't worry. That's the Rabbanan. Wait till we see Rabbi Shimon Rechai. Says, no. 20 on each. Each tablet had 20 divanim. Why 20? That means that each one had written the Ten Commandments on both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it went 40 times it was written? So it was written four times two, on two, 20 on this and 20 on that. That's... In front and back. Dichtiv, vayichtevem al shnei luchot avarim so that's how he's understanding it. Front and back, it was or front twice on each side. Yeah, once oh, on each side. There's only ten commandments. No, no, no. There's only ten commandments. Right but oh, don't don't look at that, okay? That's a Okay, so this is one of the yeah. It'll say ten commandments on this side, yeah. and ten commandments yeah, on this side of the luach, and then the same thing again. Okay. So it's all all together forty. Okay. Forty times, forty commandments written. Hold on. Rabbi Simai Omer, Arba'im aluachse, 40 on each one, and 40 on the other one. So according to Rabbi Simon, you have 10 written here, 10 written here, 10 written here, and 10 written here. Thank you for the Purell bottle. You see how nice it works? See? Instead of having just two, sti- two stickers, there's four stickers. You got it? But they're not stickers. Okay. Chananya ben Achai Rabbi Shuamer ben Kol Bibur b'Dibur. In between each of the Ten Commandments on the Luchot, diktukev otiyotei shel Torah. They wrote the details of the Torah written in in between. Diktiv mulaim b'Tashish. It says by Shirim. It says they were filled up with Tarshish. Now the word Tarshish is kiyamar aba, like the Great Sea. Which means that just like the great sea is full of waves, so too the Dibrot were full of details of the Torah. Now, even though this is not his opinion, Rish Lakish didn't mention before. Oh, he wasn't one of the rabbis, I'm sorry. Okay. Rish Lakish says, When you would get to the Pasuk and Shirashim, filled up with waves. Havamir, he would say the following thing. He would say, Well, did the brother of Yeshua say, who's the one who says this thing about the details? He says, Just like a sea, 
בין גל גדול לגל גדול, גלים קטנים, in between the big waves and the next big waves. There's usually small waves. כך, בין כל דיבור ודיבור, דקטוקי ואותיה של התורה. In between each one of the big commandments is the details of the Torah. So, that's why it says, תשיש, תשיש means many waves, like a sea. Incidentally, in the past week's Haftarah, we say that when Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to pour the, the, the Dea, pour the wisdom on the world, like Mayim Leyam Mechasim, like water covers the sea. And this idea of water coming here about all the details and the details of the Torah, which we're going to have clear when Mashiach comes. Amar Vitalchuma, et kashyat kume per Pinchas. I asked this question in front of Pinchas. This pasuk fits like Rabbi Huda and not like Rabbi Meir. Why does Rabbi Huda say that the Sefer Torah was not in Aaron? It says by Moshe Rabbeinu, take the Sefer Torah, Moshe told the Jews, take the Sefer Torah I give you and put it next to the Aaron. Yeah, who does that fit like? Next to Aaron, we said, one rabbi said the, 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 the Sefer Torah was in the Aaron. Right? right? But, but this fits that it wasn't in the Aaron, because it says, put it mitzad Aaron. Okay? It fits like Rebidah. They used to have, they had a little box outside the Sefer Torah. They had Sefer Torah in it. But according to a mayor, it doesn't make sense, because according to a mayor, it was in. Okay. Now, we don't answer the question on Rameer. How does he get out of this pasuk? But we're going to explain what his source is. My Tamad Rameer, what's Rameer's reason? Because it says, You put the kaporet, which is the covering of the Aron, on the top of the Aron. And into the Aron, You give the testimony that I gave you. Now, <coughs> when it says, You give the testimony, we don't think that's the Luchot, because the Luchot were already there beforehand. Before you put the kaporet. And therefore, we want to say that Edut is the Sefer Torah. Good. Al Datenim Yudah, according to Yudah, Duaman, why would he say, how does he get out of the problem? If he says you put the Edut in, and Edut's got to be the Sefer Torah. Duaman, and Muktabu Bukhar Torah. He'll answer you, and he'll say, yes, it says they put, you put the Edut in. But there's nothing, you don't know, there's no order to the Torah. And therefore, it's refer. it's as if, the Pasuk says, So therefore, you put the kaporet afterwards, and it's referring to only the luchot. Good. Hashem gave it him in a white fire on black fire. Just like you have a Sefer Torah with black ink on white ink, Hashem gave it on in white fire on black fire. Who esh mivuled by esh? It's um, fire mixed in fire. Chatzuba meesh. It's it's chiseled out with from fire. Utula meesh given with fire. Dechtiv mimino esh dat lamo. As it says in the basuk, mimino in his right hand esh dat lamo. The Torah gave it to Torah on Har Sinai, full of fire. And that's referred to as 
as if it's chiseled out from fire. We're going to stop over here at the Mishnah. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.